BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Continuously shutting down is not okay. It's okay if you're depressed. It's okay if you're going through a hard time, but you also should take responsibility for how you treat other people. It's okay to be in a bad place, but it's not okay to treat the people around you who love you like shit. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need a welcome. Almost adulting. Almost adulting. Almost adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. So today I'm supposed to do Confession Corner, but last Tuesday... I did Benson Knows Best, and it just felt too short, even though it was a whole 30 minutes. I realized I have so many questions from you guys, like so many, and I kind of wanted to get into them. So I thought the last month of dating month, I can kind of squeeze in a little Tuesday episode of Benson Knows Best, where I answer some of your other dating questions for dating month. So hopefully that's okay. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast if you're not already subscribed. You are currently listening to Almost Adulting. Feel free to subscribe, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or YouTube. I'm everywhere. (laughs) Under your bed too. You should check. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesdays are my more fun, silly episodes, whether it's Confession Corner or Benson Knows Best, and where I answer your questions. You either call in with questions that you have. And that number is available. You can just find it. It's um, under contact in my bio of Almost Adulting Instagram. It's a Google number. So it's free for everyone, international as well. You can leave your message there or you can email me at press at daddyissuesla.com with your question that you need advice for. Anything, anything in your life, not just dating. Or you can just DM me. On my personal Instagram, Violet Benson, or Almost Adulting Instagram, and you're good. So the reason I want to dive into this is because there's this girl who is really going through it, and she asked me to give her advice. And I said, okay, shoot. And then she said, okay, it's really long. And I thought she was joking. It is. (laughs) Souk. It's crazy long. So I thought, let's have some fun. Let's read through it. So this is my first time reading it the same way as you guys. So hopefully it's good. If not, I'll just have to start all over again. But we're going to start with this girl. She wrote like seven notes. All right. She said, I met my now ex-boyfriend towards the end of COVID on Bumble and we fell in love pretty quickly. I was actually in my hoe phase, but I was not trying to get into anything serious because I knew I was moving away six months later from my medical residency and I did not want to set myself up for long distance and heartbreak. However, the universe had other plans. He was emotionally available pursued me with intention, claimed me, communicated well, and there was nothing confusing about his intentions. Okay, I love that. I couldn't help but fall for him. And before I moved, he told me he was going to follow me to my new city. Holy shit. 
Since we had only been together for about six months, we decided that we should do about six months of long distance to make sure we were moving too quickly. After all, he would be taking on the most risk moving away from his hometown family friends and having to find a new job. The six months honestly flew by and we got even closer. Long distance has not worked out for me in the past, but this man made me feel so supported even from afar during my intern year. Which, if you guys have seen Grey's Anatomy, you know how shitty intern year can be. So, just after the holidays, we decided that we wanted to move forward with living together and he started to put together his resume and job applications. He came to visit in February and during this visit, he took me ring shopping. Holy shit. And we met with a realtor to look at houses. It felt like I had met the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Every single one of my friends loved him. And he's the first guy my parents have ever been empathetic about. That's an interesting wording to use, okay? You know how every dad says no one will ever be worthy of my daughter? Well, that was my dad to a T, but he actually admitted that this guy was on par. My future felt set and secure, and we were so excited. Then he flew home, and within a week, his healthy father unexpectedly passed away from COVID. It was super traumatic for my ex, but he... Oh, ex. So it was super traumatic for my ex. Mm -mm. Okay, so something happened. They didn't work out. Ooh, that's crazy. He sounded perfect. I'm upset. Okay, I'm invested. It was super traumatic for my ex, but he really would not talk about it with anyone. Barely even me. Oof, red flag. For months, it was like he refused to grieve and grew increasingly distant. Fuck. He ended up bearing the burden of moving in with his widowed mother to help her take care of the house and so she wouldn't have to be alone. Much of the financial burden landed on him as well so that his mom wouldn't lose the house or truck. He kept himself very busy with the aftermath of the death and onto avoiding feeling things. I read every grief and self-help book I possibly could so I could understand what he was going through and maybe slip in some pearls into the conversation here and there because he was so unwilling to take on the grief or talk about it. Basically, every resource told me the only thing you can do for a partner who's grieving is to be physically present to demonstrate support without pressuring them to grieve a certain way, which was super discouraging because being physically present was the one thing I could not do. He started to become closed off, numb, unmotivated, could no longer communicate his feelings or intentions. And when talking about the future, he became more and more vague and reluctant to discuss. He was definitely suffering from clinical depression and I gently got him to realize this and he got help. He finally got himself a therapist and started with medication, but wasn't seeing any improvement over the course of a few months, which only discouraged him even more. He comes from a very traditional men don't cry and we don't believe in therapy kind of a household. So this was quite the hurdle. Keep in mind, I'm trying to be a supportive person from a layover flight away and also going through one of the hardest years of my own life because of residency. As his mental health deteriorated, I felt like I was also losing my own mental health. I started an antidepressant as well. Fuck. I kept thinking, if I can just get him through this difficult time, I'll get my man back and we'll get back on track. This past February, we hit the one year anniversary of his father's death. That means six months are doing really good. Six months long distance, and then a full year now of bad. So this past February, we hit the one-year anniversary of his father's death, and I was hoping that at that point, he would feel a little more motivated to get out of his mom's house and start choosing to live his own life with me again. I felt guilty for wanting this because his mom at first really needed him to, but I completely put my wants and needs aside for a whole year, and it was costing me my happiness and sanity. 
So at this point, I start pushing him more about moving forward with our plans because I'm at a fork in the road career-wise where I needed to know if I was making decisions with or without him, which by the way, nothing wrong with that. He had us in a holding pattern for a few months where he would tell me just enough to give me hope that he would make baby steps towards moving and then not following through. Mm. This would lead to disappointments, arguments, and since he had become so emotionally unavailable, he would revert to avoidance and give me a good, long, distance, silent treatment. We run through this cycle a few times and it was enough to literally take my previous secure attachment style and put it through the shredder. Towards the end, I had morphed into an anxious attachment and didn't really recognize our relationship anymore. My feelings were not being cared for because I was too busy taking care of someone who no longer was willing or able to risk emotional vulnerability or communicate. I knew in my logic mind that this relationship needed to end, Oof. but my heart wasn't ready to let go. In my heart, I felt like I couldn't abandon him, especially in that state, and I felt pathologically optimistic that his depressive episodes was days away from breaking and that we will be stronger than ever for making it through. Finally, he came to visit me in March, which unbeknownst to me would be our last week together. Oh my God, I feel like I'm reading a whole ass book. <laughs> like I'm invested in these characters and then I have to realize that this is not a character, like this is real. <laughs> okay, so finally he came to visit me in March, which as unbeknownst to me would be our last week together. Dun, dun, dun. Let's talk about it on next week's episode. I'm kidding. No. We had a nice week, but towards the end of the week, he became more distant, avoidant, and something felt very off. I confronted him about it that day he was supposed to fly home, where I communicated that I felt like he wasn't caring for my feelings or listening to my needs, and that it's been too long of one-sided emotional intimacy and I needed him back. From there, he kind of shut down. And then on the way to the airport, he ended things to the tone of, you've been asking me for the bare minimum and you deserve so much better. I'm so messed up that I can't even give that to you. I see what it's doing to you and it's not fair, yada, yada, yada. He gave that breakup conversation a 20 minute cap on the ride home to the airport. Damn. So anyway, after two years together, he got on the plane and he flew away. I really haven't heard from him since. I've had no further closure conversation with him. If closure even existed, he is 900 miles away and I have no way of knowing how he's doing and I'm trying not to care. I did 10 weeks of no contact, during which he sent me a drunk text saying, I ended things in such a cowardly way. There's so much more I want to say to you, but I can't get the courage. I fucking hate him. Sorry, that was me. That wasn't her. He then sent a Snapchat here and there. Are you joking me? What? How? How did it go from someone being so serious so commitment ready. Let's go ring shopping. So much, you know, being real with his intentions to sending Snapchats. What are you, 17? She said, I respond politely, but no meaningful conversation comes of it. So let's see. She said, I'm trying not to care. I did 10 weeks of no contact. So I just want to calculate this. In March, he came to visit. It was their last week together. Then they did 10 weeks of no contact. That's two more months. So that's January, February, March, April. January, February, March, April, May. Oh, okay. So, okay. So up until June. So this month of June, they had no contact, even though he sent her that one text and Snapchat here and there. So while I've been trying to process all of this, I've been listening to all of the self-help podcasts, breakup coaches, talk to my therapist, trying to repair my secure attachment style, aka doing the work. As they say, I thought I had finally gotten to the point where I could start dating again but I keep finding myself comparing everyone to him. 
As much as I tell myself affirmations and I deserve happiness, a man who meets your standards, doesn't make you feel confused, it makes your life easier, damn it, I still have the shred of hope that he is doing all this emotional work with this therapist and is miraculously going to call me, that he's back to himself and he's ready. I can't help but feel like I would still take him back in a heartbeat if he wanted to try again, which makes my heart closed off to dating again. Can I just say, this girl is so self-aware, it's insane. So she goes, is this a case of love tragically lost due to tragic life circumstance, crippling depression, right person, wrong time, or is this a case of an emotionally immature boy who selfishly chose his own comforting numbness over getting help and pursuing growth with the newly revealed communication deficit? And I actually dodged a bullet. I'm going to be in his city in July for a wedding. Oof coming up and I can't decide if I should attempt to see him or not. Do you think there's such thing as closure? Would seeing him make things worse for me? How do I even ask him if he would want to meet up? Even if down the line he quote unquote did the work and wanted to get back together, should I even consider it? Or do you feel like he did me too dirty? Should I just hit him with my car? Finally, finally you're crazy like us. Girl, I was like, how is this girl so self-aware, so logical? Sounds like me. <laughs> but finally, he said, should him with my car. Yeah. Am I being overly empathetic to him and blind to that? I'm just not that into you anymore or able to communicate that to you behavior. I can't decide if I can blame all of his hurtful actions and behavior and clinical depression, or if when push comes to shove, he simply changed his mind about making the sacrifices he had previously committed to in order to be with me and didn't have the guts to say it. I'm a literal doctor. And I treat depression every single day. And I'm still having trouble navigating this. Help. Wow. That was beautifully written to the point that I will also give you some advice and answer in the DM after this. Instead of you waiting till this episode airs. Because you wrote that out so well. And you basically thought out everything so properly. So first of all, I want to say, don't sit here and blame yourself for any of this. One thing that us women do for being such caretakers is that we will sit there and we will blame ourselves. Could I have given more? Could I have loved this person more? Did I do something wrong that no matter how much care I've given this person that they didn't get better? If I leave now, it wouldn't be fair if suddenly tomorrow he got better and then someone else gets to have this better side of him. No. You have to see things and face value. And I think this is something we all struggle with men or women when we date somebody and we get to see who they are and then they change and then we're in denial because we hold on to who this person used to be the beginning of who they showed us my friend is going through a five-year breakup right now in the three years I would say between two to three years she saw a different side to him she knew he wasn't the person she first met and then she stayed with him for two and a half to three more years hoping the first version of him will come back and it never did. And it's the hardest for us to let go because we stay longer and longer and we think, okay, well now it's not just a year. Now I've been with him for two years. Okay, well now he's been doing the work. What if I leave and then suddenly he's better Then someone else will get to enjoy, reap the rewards? That's not fair. I stuck with him through all of this. This is full honesty and it's gonna sound terrible but I'm being as transparent as possible. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Years ago, when I dated one of my exes, as you know, if I mentioned the past, I was with somebody on and off for eight years. But in between that and or a different time, I was also, I had another ex. The one last week where I said that my vagina kept rejecting his penis for a year and a half and I kept getting UTIs. But aside from that, in his family, his mom went through cancer twice. And this is something that's really hard to admit because it's going to sound selfish or terrible, but I'm being as honest as possible because I know I'm not the only one that felt this way. But even when you're not the one that's sick, it takes a toll on you to be there for that person and their family. It's depressing. It was so hard. We were long distance. So the first time his mom got sick, I was there for him as much as possible. And of course, I put my needs away. I put my needs aside and I was there for him. And then I also had to be there for his whole family because he was away. And then the second time his mom got cancer, it was even harder again because this time he was not around. He was in med school. So he had to stay for like all of his exams and I had to go be with his family. And this is coming from someone who previously never had to deal with death because my parents would hide it from me when someone was about to die and then only tell me when someone died. Trust me, that's a whole other story. And then I had to learn, you know, the hard way that that's not how you deal with emotions. But it was very hard for me to go through these experiences because you take on other people's sadness and you have to watch other people you know, I had to watch his mom get sick and see the progress of, you know, what it does on a person with chemo. I had to be there to support him emotionally. And I think it must have been a full year, maybe a little longer. And we were long distance. So I continuously put my emotions, my feelings aside because it wasn't about me. And then I felt bad about myself and selfish that I wanted it to ever be about me or for him to ever love or that I felt neglected. I felt that I must be a terrible person for feeling that way when in reality we shouldn't. You know, a partnership maybe can't always be 50-50, but let's not pretend that it doesn't take a toll on you when you're being there for other people, like as if your needs don't matter. There's no right or wrong answer here. But the thing is, when his mom finally got better, you know what happened? After I was there for him, he started to get really close with his female best friend. And when he finally was ready to move back home, and after a year and a half of long distance, we could finally be together. And he's finally in a better place in his life. He turned to his female best friend to date her. And instead of breaking up with me, he just became more distant and more distant, more distant, hoping that I would just dump him. So then I finally said, you're not answering my calls. I feel like I don't have a boyfriend. I don't know what's going on. And we're long distance. I haven't seen you now in a month. You know, maybe we should break up. Hoping that if I said something like that, by the way, we're like in our early mid twenties. When I said this, hoping that he would be like, no, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And instead he said, you know what? You're right. We should break up. Cause he was a fucking coward and he was waiting for me to dump him. And then I said, wait, what do you, what do you mean we should break up? He goes, no, you're so right. We should definitely break up. And I said, 
have you been thinking about this? I don't understand. I don't mean to sound selfish, but I've been like, I'm so depressed from everything I had to go through from being there for your family. And like, you're just going to dump me now. I thought, did I not mean anything to you? Do you not appreciate that I was there for you going through all that? And again, when I say this out loud, I can understand how it sounds selfish, but I was in my early twenties. And again, these are thoughts and emotions that we all go through. And it's the truth because we want to be loved too. And it's a tricky situation, but I felt, I was confused. I felt a little resentful. Like I was just there for you. Why didn't you dump me when you were ready to not be with me? But now everything's better. So now you're going to leave me. And yeah, he dumped me. And the next day I started dating his female best friend. He moved back to town and they started posting. Within the next day, they started posting pictures. And back then it was during Facebook time. There was no Instagram. They started posting pictures on Facebook. It was actually one of the reasons I deleted Facebook. So I never have to look at their pictures. I deleted Facebook. I had no social media. I've never said why I didn't have social media when I was an accountant before I created daddy issues, but that was why. Because I was so heartbroken that I sacrificed my whole self for this person, only for him to be too much of a coward to dump me, have me break up with him so he can date his female best friend the next fucking day and start posting pictures of them kissing together on Facebook. So I deleted it so I'll never have to see it again. Based on that... Let's dive into everything this girl said. I think you got it right. Look, in the end of the day, you're not wrong for feeling resentment or for feeling how you're feeling about the fact that you did what you needed to do and now you have an ultimatum or now you're ready to move on with your life. But it's also not your fault that the person who you thought they were, that they're no longer that person. Whoever you met in the first year I'm sure some of that still exists in that guy. But what, you, what you're seeing right now, how he's handling his father's death, how he's being a coward, how he stopped communicating with you, that is also a part of him. That is also who he is. And we tend to ignore this. I'm sure if I looked back when I was younger and I dated that guy, I'm sure there were so many red flags that I probably did not pay attention because I thought I would get some reward at the end. Like this person will love me so much more because I was there helping through a tough time. That will make us stronger. And instead he left me for someone else when things were better. So the thing is for you, the advice I'm giving to you is that pay attention. Part of him is that nice guy that was ready for commitment. But the other part of him is this person who's really depressed and can't handle life anymore. And now it's been over a year. I mean, it's been a long time. And he hasn't given you what you needed. So at what point do you stop putting your needs aside and you move on with your life? Because it seems like everything else in your life is very serious and you move in a very serious way. So there's nothing wrong and you shouldn't feel guilty with the fact that you're ready to release this person. He's not your husband. He's not your child. He's not your parent. You're not obligated now to take care of them for the rest of your life. You are allowed to have your own happiness. Why are you sacrificing your own happiness? It's, it's one thing if it was for a little bit, but now it's over a year. And it's also, it doesn't feel based on everything that you said that that person is really putting in effort. Continuously shutting down is not okay. It's okay if you're depressed. It's okay if you're going through a hard time but you also should take responsibility for how you treat other people. It's okay to be in a bad place, but it's not okay to treat the people around you who love you like shit. And that's a really shitty excuse. And I'm sure, and I know we've all been there. I've been there too. When I don't feel good about myself, when I'm depressed, I don't treat other people the best way. But guess what? It's not an excuse. Eventually we have to grow up and we have to take accountability. 
it takes two people to make something work. And right now it just seems like she was the only one doing the work. I think because you're such a logical person, you should use your logic and you should see that this should be an eye opener of how this person handles bad news and something bad to happen in his life. Because last time I checked, based on what you said, he also has a mother. What's going to happen when he loses his mother? What's going to happen if he doesn't get the job he wants? What's going to happen with another hurdle in your life? He showed you exactly how he deals with pain and grief in a very unhealthy way where he puts you on the sidelines and doesn't work on himself. And he'll never get out of it unless he chooses to. And then for the kicker, aside from you just using your logic and saying, is this actually someone I want to be with? Because imagine if he's like this now and you finally got to see who he truly is and how he deals with grief. Imagine that you're together now for 10 years. You have a full-on career. You're super busy. You guys have kids together and his mom passes away or something bad happens in his life and he disappears on you. And now you guys are serious because my mom taught me that up to the marriage part, it's your honeymoon stage. So you and your partner is when you're meant to go through your honeymoon stage before you get married because marriage and children is when shit hits the fan when things get hard. So up until then, you're supposed to communicate. You're supposed to enjoy the time because it's the easiest. So if right now he can't handle grief well and he can't handle grief well with a partner and he can't let you in, imagine two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you have kids together, you have a mortgage and he disappears or he turns to alcohol or he ghosts you or he does God knows what. Do you want that in a partner? You seem like a very serious person. Do you want to not only take care of your patients, but to baby your husband, this man child that doesn't know how to deal with his feelings? Oh, boo fucking who? He grew up in a household with no, no therapy, no that grace. So did I. So did a lot of other people. But one day we wake up and we make a choice how we're going to deal with grief and what's important for us. And the worst part is I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you could have done differently to have helped him get better. Because that would be his decision. And he chose to stay in a rut. Because now he got so comfortable in it, he doesn't know what life is without feeling bad about himself. That's all he knows. And then the kicker is when he drop you off at the airport, first of all, he wasted your time all these months instead of just dumping you. He kept you around. Then he wasted your time by flying in to see you when he decides to still be avoided and distant after already making you so depressed and feeling so shitty. And then he wasted your time by not communicating with you while he was there. And only when you dropped him off at the airport, did he finally say, Hey, you've been asking for the bare minimum and you deserve so much better. I'm so messed up that I can't even give that to you. Hey, guess what? What did I say last week on the podcast? On Tuesday's podcast, I said, there's three red flags. And one of them is if a guy says you deserve so much better run, because that is not them challenging you <laughs> to prove to them that they're just more than enough. They're telling you, I will not put in the effort that you deserve. I know you deserve better. I have eyes. I'm self-aware enough to tell you. I can tell you deserve better. And I'm also self-aware enough to tell you that I'm clearly have been doing just the bare minimum. So I'm admitting I've been doing the bare minimum. I'm admitting that I know, and I'm not going to change that. You deserve so much better than me. I can't give it to you. It's so messed up. It's so messed up. Oh, I feel like shit about it, but I'm not going to fix it. That's what he's telling you. Oh, I see what it's doing to you. It's not fair. Oh, you see what it's doing to me? That's crazy. You think then, then maybe you would try to fix it. Oh, it's not worth it enough for you. 
okay. And the fact that just like with my ex, that guy, I had to drug it out of him. You seem to have done the same thing as you were dropping him off at the airport. And then you guys doing the no contact and then him saying a text, I ended things in such a cowardly way. There's so much more I wanted to say, but I can't get the courage. Thank you. Thank you for still telling me you haven't grown as a fucking person. It's giving the, I was thinking of buying you flowers or, you know, actually I wanted to take you to dinner at that place or I meant to call you. It's giving nothing because, oh, I was thinking of doing that. I meant to do that. Oh, I thought about you. Oh, I have so much to say, but I don't have the courage. So you mean you're saying nothing. So why did you even bother saying anything? It's giving me nothing but false hope. So next time someone tells you, oh, I was thinking of doing a cool, means nothing to me. I was thinking of committing to you. Oh, I almost, I, I was thinking of taking you there. Okay, then why, why didn't you? So why are you telling me? Because it's still giving me nothing. It's people who take it too seriously when they say like words matter or whatever. No, actions matter. So until this guy gets the courage, goodbye. And to be frank, I personally, I know it's hard to release at this point because you have a memory and you're hung up on who this person used to be but they're not that person. This passing away may have completely changed them or they just pretended to be someone else. They were in a little fairy tale with you for a whole year, six months of being together, six months of long distance of a fairy tale of what it could be. And the crazy part is the research shows when it comes to long distance, it's basically, it can make people think they love each other more than they really do because it's the whole thing of the distance grows, makes the heart grow fonder. So it's this whole fairy tale. You know, it's exciting. But if this person was meant to be your person or they were meant to change by now, they would have. I would be thankful that I got to see the side of this person. I wouldn't want to be with someone that didn't know how to handle their own grief because what's going to happen when you're going to need him for your grief? Is he going to be able to be there for you when he can't even handle his own grief? And I know it's shitty to say, you're like, well, it's not fair. Like we should be there, but you're not his wife. And he doesn't even want you to be there for him. He's just saying the little things to make sure you're still around because it makes him feel good about himself to know that you're a little saint and you're still there for him, even though you you're doing residency and you're doing all this shit in your life. It makes him feel a little bit better about himself, but he can't be the person you need him to be and he doesn't want to be. So as for dating, I can understand. So yeah, her last thing said, is this the case of right person, wrong time? There's no such thing as the wrong time. You met this person at the right time. You were meant to learn what you like from it. I like someone who, you know, sets their intentions. I like someone that can fit in my schedule. You saw these things. You got to also learn things you don't like. I don't like someone who's emotionally unavailable. I don't like someone who's emotionally avoidant. And then I love that you brought up the whole attachment styles. So you used to be a secure attachment. Why would you want to be with someone that turns you into insecure, anxious attachment style? You want to go again and be with someone that gives you secure attachment style. You went through so much work, through so much hurdle. And I know that whole thing of like, well, if I can't let it go now, it's already been two years, but you have to. Because everyone thinks the hardest part about dating is meeting someone, but it's not true. The hardest part about dating is knowing when it's time to walk away and seeing how you are with your work ethic. I think a lot of us can relate to any one of us who's super independent or super hardworking. We struggle with feeling like we failed. When we work so hard with everything else in our lives and we accomplish, whether it's you taking your MCAT, getting into medical school, now going through residency, you are, you are constantly figuring out how to accomplish something. So it's hard to handle the fact that like, did I fail this? How did I not 
calculate this properly? How do I not figure this out? How do I not see this? No, I can make this work. I don't lose. Sorry, you can't make this work because it takes two people to want to be in a relationship. And the other person does not want to be with you. And it's not your fault. And he is doing you a favor. You will be so much happier with someone else. And it's okay if you're not ready to meet someone because you're still thinking about your ex. And eventually, with time, you will stop comparing him to people. And eventually, with time, you will realize what a blessing in disguise it was. And guess what? Eventually, with time, this guy will come back to you and beg for you back. My guy did. Six months, I didn't hear from him. Then he contacted me out of nowhere, out of the blue one day and said, hey, I keep thinking to myself, what if I made a mistake? And I said, don't even wonder, don't look any further because I'll give you that answer right now. We will never get back together. So hope that makes it easier for you. And it did because four days later, he proposed to his girlfriend. And then a year later, six months later, I forget, Six months later, he texted me again. And I said, I'm not interested. And he's like, oh my God, don't be so crazy. Didn't respond. Six months later, their engagement broke off. Texted me again. He said, before you get all crazy, we're not together anymore. I think I probably blocked him, to be honest. Because I'm like, like, guys love to gaslight. Before you go all crazy, oh, I'm crazy because you dumped me and then you got engaged to someone. Right before that, you texted me about, uh, like, fuck you. Anyway, that girl saved my life. Because I would have been with that effing loser. What a blessing that she took him off of my hands. And poor her, because, you know, karma's real. The poor girl had to, you know, go through a whole engagement only to break off. Sucks for her. But the point is, I dodged a bullet and you dodged a bullet as well. And eventually you'll stop comparing him to other guys because you realize the other guys you're dating are way better than him. And eventually when he comes back, you won't want him anymore. But as long as you still want him, that energy is still there. He's not going to come back. And even if he worked on himself or on the outside, it looks like he worked on himself, that part of him will always be there. That is how he handles bad moments in life. And life is not perfect. There will be bad moments. And I would think based on everything that you're doing with your life that you want a partner that will also be able to be there for you. And again, if he can't be there for himself, he's not going to be able to be there for you. So I love you. Thank you for explaining yourself. I will send you a whole voice note of an advice to give you. Wow, this whole episode ended up being around this little note. So you rock, you rule, I love you. And hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave me a five-star review if you enjoyed my advice and my explanation. And I will see you this Thursday with my beautiful, amazing guest to close off dating month, Adelaide Kane. Love you, besties. Have a beautiful day. Bye.